Hey everyone, Avery Smith here, creator of the Data Career Podcast. Welcome back to the Data Career Podcast. This is episode 22, where I interview Matt Blaza, who is a freelance data scientist slash data analyst. He's currently a data governance analyst at Brink Security, which sounds like a pretty cool job. We talk about all the different jobs and all the different projects he's done in the past as a freelancer. Um, it's really cool. He talks about how to get started with freelancing in data science, the importance of having an online portfolio in getting gigs and getting noticed by recruiters. We talk about what qualifies as a data scientist. Um, and we also even talked about like why he posts on LinkedIn, um, and what benefits he's gained from that. So I'm going to get straight into the podcast after the short break, and I hope you guys enjoy. Welcome to the Data Career Podcast. Here's your host, Avery Smith. What is up, everyone? Happy Tuesday. Coming from Slinden, Utah at 12 p.m. Eastern or 10 a.m. Mountain Time. This is the Data Career Podcast. I am joined today with Matt Blossa. I'm super excited to have him on the podcast and uh, get to hear from him. So, Matt, welcome to the podcast. Hey, nice to meet you. <laughs> uh, finally in person. I know. We, we've commented on each other's LinkedIn, and we've messaged each other maybe a couple times on LinkedIn before, or commented, obviously, um, but never talked face-to-face. So this is this is fun. Um, for all those who don't know Matt, definitely go um, check him out on LinkedIn, connect with him on LinkedIn. His name is Matthew Blaza, like I said, B-L-A-S-A. Um, I'm going to give a quick little bio. He is a data governance analyst, which is a pretty sweet title. Uh, pretty interesting right there for Brinks Home. Um, but he's worked as a data science freelancer and analyst for the last few years. He's worked with a lot of technologies, including Python, SQL, Tableau, Go, Alteryx, Databricks, Azure, SaaS, AWS, and Azure, which is like a huge tech stack to manage. That's a lot to know. Uh, he's an active contributor to the data science community on LinkedIn. And yeah, so I'm super excited to have him on the show and learn a little bit about his background, what advice he'd give to people who want to break into the field, what advice he would want to give to people who want to do freelancing, um, and all, all of this valuable knowledge that Matt has. So let's go ahead and get into it. Matt, I would love to hear your story about how you ended up in data. Cause yeah, that's not necessarily the path that you first chose in your career, right? No, absolutely not. Um, I mean, after I, I mean, for me, it was, I started out in marketing. So um, I was literally just doing higher education marketing, just sending out stuff for international students saying, hey, you know, come to my university. It's great. You know, you'll learn a lot. And then from there, I mean, just slowly working into international programs where I was just trying to send out like targeted emails, you know, Google Analytics, that sort of thing, trying to retarget people from East Asia, that sort of countries for international students who wanted to study in the United States. Um, I mean, somewhere along the line, it just, it was progressive. I didn't have this idea of, hey, I got to go into data science. It was, it started out with, okay, why am I like doing this marketing stuff? Okay. And then like, wait, these are interesting metrics. And then it came from there. It's like, how do we calculate out these metrics? And then it went to finally, oh, there might be a way to predict this stuff, or there might be a way to use this data to, you know, segment customers, target certain groups and try and, you know, see like what kind of customers, what kind of uh, 
students that were pulling in. So it wasn't a straight path. It's I would say it's a very long and winding path up this mountain, and I'm not nowhere near the top. I hope I'm <laughs> near the top. Yeah, well, I think I think if you're not there, you're definitely uh, on on your way. That's for sure. Um, so okay, you started in digital marketing then, right? Yep. And yes. And and that sounds kind of like that was your path into data science. So how were you using um, data science in your digital marketing? Was it mostly segmentation or? It was mostly segmentation. Um, we were doing a lot of work with like um, analytics when I was working with some of the companies in Japan and China. It was more of, um, hey, you know, these customers actually click through on our emails or, hey, you know, these people look at this person. This person went through from this path and they went all the way through. And their last click was from this area. And we have them in the record here. And hey, they bought this much. So my start out was, okay, let's identify these customers. What did they buy? Like, so it, market basket analysis, what did they buy together? What products did they buy together? Let's retarget them with ads, specialized ads, or, and I didn't do a recommender system. I wish I did back then. But hey, let's go to talk to the developers and then start out with a recommender system with these items. And that's how I got into it. I'm like, wait, you can do a recommendation system off this. So it working with those developers really piqued my interest and got me into the data science edge. Okay, interesting. Um, and I guess for those who maybe don't know too much about marketing or even too much about about you know analytics specifically in, in marketing, uh, can you define what segmentation basically is? Yeah, of course. Segmentation means that we're trying to look at customer traits. For example, um, People who frequently buy, let's say, cream, or in, in my my end, higher education, people, certain people who target MBA programs or master's programs for like sociology. So we would segment those out by the people's interests and also the responses on the surveys to predict whether or not they would be which which programs that were likely to go through based off previous people who had gotten into the programs and based off their grades. So. I wasn't actually doing the other stuff there at the time, but I was watching these guys doing it. And I'm like, hey, this is cool. And then I found out, oh wait, this is math. Interesting, because I have a, I have an interest in math. So I'm like, okay, maybe I should pursue this. Okay, so yeah, walk us, walk us through that next step then. What, you saw these people doing these, you know, complex analyses and doing these recommendation systems and doing the segmentation. And you were kind of watching from the sideline, maybe not the sideline. You were, you were coming up with business reasons and, and asking him to do this, but what led you to the point today where you could do that analysis yourself? What was that next step? Oh, well, the next step was I, I kind of, well, long story short, I dropped out of computer science program at Portland State University, uh, Portland State University, Portland Community College. I was trying to get an AA there because I wanted to do programming, didn't like it. So I worked as a marketing person for a while because that was easier. And then, I mean, I realized, hey, wait, these guys are actually solving problems. And then I said, you know what, maybe I should go to school for math and, and, and figure this because math, math is the foundation of this. Maybe if I learn some math, maybe I'll find my way into something that, that uses this. At the time, I had no idea what the math was, to be honest. I just did regular math. It wasn't statistics or anything like that. Okay. Um, so so you, you got a math degree, or, or did you get a math degree? What, like, how, how did you become a data scientist? Um, well, I didn't, I'm not a data scientist per se. I'm more of somewhere in between. I'm contract. I'm not, I want to get the full-time role eventually. But it's a lot, just mostly a lot of like 
working on the side, like freelance and stuff, I'm, I'm not one of those people. I, I started out doing the freelancing because I'm like, hey, I need some money. I'm Ubers too, too hard on my car. I don't want to do that. And I want to do something that I love and something I can understand. So it started out that way. And then I realized when I was doing that, hey, you know, I can learn a lot from it. So my freelancing switched from, hey, I got to pull in cash to, hey, let me pick the projects that I can do. Maybe I can do some Uber stuff on the side. They can balance each other out and I can pick the projects I want and I can gain and I can gain um, the experience that I want from that while using my math. I mean, honestly, most of the stuff I learned in the university is just all theory. But when I actually was using it in these um, contract jobs, then I'm like, oh, that's how you use it. Yeah, you. that's really cool. So you're, you're learning these things in, you know, in school and stuff like that but you weren't actually really learning it or like at least applying it until you got to these contract jobs. And, and so, okay. Did you take like contract jobs, ones that you were sure you knew how to do or some that you were like, Oh, I could probably figure this out. What type of, what type of freelance jobs were you aiming for? I usually took ones that I'm like, I'm just going to figure this out as I go along and just take the risk. And if I fail out, well, Oh, well, I mean, I can just, I'm going to be professional about it and say, look, this is beyond my ability. Hey, Here's some freelancers I know who can do the job and they can do a good rate. That let's refer it to them. Thank you for your time. I'm sorry I can't do it. And I mean, I was upfront and honest with the clients. Um, for the Chinese and the Japanese clients, I, I got those through some relatives and some friends. And those guys were just as clueless as I was, to be honest. They're like, hey, we saw this cool, you do it. And I'm like, okay, I'll do it. And I mean, they 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 usually they were really good about pushing. So they were always like, I saw this and they're always ahead. So they're like, I saw this, can you do this? And that really pushed me from, hey, I'm just doing a market basket analysis with uh, Python to, oh, hey, I want you to do not only a market basket analysis, but I saw this thing called K-means. Can you show me how I can segment my customers? So that's that's how it evolved. It, it wasn't like a conscious step. I'm gonna go do K-means. I'm gonna do NLP. I'm gonna do all this. No, it's just completely from the clients pushing. Yeah, you were you were figuring it out as you went, and you didn't necessarily know everything, but you you kind of figured it out. And like, if you didn't know something, where would you try to uh, learn it? <laughs> Google and Stack Exchange, <laughs> honestly, and and reaching out to people on LinkedIn. So if there was someone I knew or friends I knew, I said, "Hey, can you help me with this? I don't understand this concept. Can you do? Can you tell me more about it?" Or just go on Stack Exchange and say, "Hey." And I look like, does this, does this work? Because I, I, before I started using Alteryx and all this other stuff, I had to like hand program out stuff using SQL and that was a nightmare. So it was a lot of stack exchange, a lot of asking friends, and then a lot of like YouTube tutorials. I mean, you just got to grind your way through it. Wow. That's, that's awesome. I'm, I'm glad to hear that. And yeah, I still use, you know, I still use uh, Google and stack exchange every single day, um, all the time, even like for things that I definitely should know how to do um, and things that I've looked up probably 10 times. Like if you looked at my like browser history for that particular link, <laughs> there's I probably visited, you know, 20 times and I should know it, but I, I still use it every day. It's, it's a great resource to have as a, uh, as you know, a data professional. Um, I want to go back to something. You said something interesting earlier. You said, ah, I don't know if I'm, qu I'm quite a data scientist yet. I'm aspiring to be full-time data scientist. And tell me more about your thoughts about that. What what are like what is the definition of a data scientist for you? I mean, 
that's very nebulous because I mean we hear debates all the time on LinkedIn, Facebook, Reddit about oh what's a data scientist. I, I've seen it in different working with the data scientists. I've seen different ones. I mean there's some who are just have the title data scientist and they just do pure Excel. That's well they're doing statistical analysis, so that's still a data scientist. Then you have the other ones on the other end who are just like programming out a pipeline in addition to you know getting statistical analysis. That's still a data scientist. I mean, for me, I mean, I'm coming from a culture where it's like, you're not really something until you actually get it. So that's just my personal goal. For everyone else, I mean, data scientist is a big title. I mean, it's it's nebulous. It's nebulous. But for me, I really would like to work someday professionally and in the role instead, you know, as a contractor. Oh, yeah. Okay. That's, that's fair, I think. Um, Definitions of data science are very varied and there's a lot of differences between people's beliefs. Um, and some people are very like conservative. Oh, you're not a data scientist until you have worked as a data scientist for five years yep. and you, uh, and you know how to use neural networks convoluted, like a million like requirements, you know, um, <laughs> crazy requirements. It's, yeah. yeah, exactly. And some people are like, Oh, uh, I did a linear regression, so I'm a data scientist. And it's the, and I think, I mean, I'm not going to say that either of those are wrong. There's a, there's a range of the terms data scientists, but I liked, I think I'm more on the liberal side that like, if you're doing something with data, you can, I, I, in fact, I actually hate the title data scientist. I wish people would just say I do data science, right? Mm -hmm. Because it's like, it's like you can, and I think, I think people have a hard time realizing this, but you can do data science without being a data scientist. Yep. That's, that's like saying you can't do math unless you're a mathematician. And it's like, no, there's lots of professions that use math. There's lots of examples of where math is useful and you don't have to be a mathematician. Um, so anyways, I just thought it was interesting that you were like, I'm not quite a data scientist yet. And in my mind, in my mind, I'll, I'll, give, you, I'll give you the pass, but I, I, like, I like the ambition. You're like, oh no, I have a clear goal. I want to be a full-time data scientist for some company and have the title. Mm -hmm. um, I, th I think that's cool. Um, I do think titles are overrated, but I'm, I'm excited for you to, to get that title. I think, I think you're on your way. Um, I did want to take, we, we did have some people pop in to say hello. Just wanted to say hi to some people. We have Natish here. Oh, we yeah. have Sana here. Rola here. Uh, Timir. Um, and then I guess this, this actually transitions to my next mm. question I had. Derek's asking the company that you're currently for, I guess the role is data governance analyst correct. and it, it's for Brinks home. Is that correct? Uh, that is correct. What, what do they do? Are they a security company? What do they do? They're not the Brinks. They're not like the Brinks trucks guys. They don't, they're, they're related to them, but they're not connected to them. They're a, a sister company. Um, mostly they deal with, they're kind of like ADP. So they deal with a lot of home security. So you know, like cameras, the uh, stuff you put in your home, cameras, panels, that sort of thing, just to make sure that you can't, that people can't get into your home. They also do a lot of monitoring and, uh, and uh, of that sort as well. So that's what, okay. that's what they primarily do. They're, they're very specialized. Okay. Well, I mean, home security is huge. Well, home security is huge, you know. Um, it's, it's pretty crazy. I mean, it, it's a big field. You want you want to be able to feel safe. Um, so I know it gets a little complicated sometimes talking about who you're currently working for, you know, but in a broad sense, are you able to tell us what you do there? And I guess I'm specifically really interested oh, yes. in the title data governance analyst, because I'm not sure I've heard that title before. So tell me a little bit about that title and, and what you do. 
So, I mean, data governance analyst is sort of like a data si a data analyst who's more focused on like the governance aspect of, of the data. So ensuring data quality, documentation, um, QA. So those are the three primary stuff I do. I, I don't build any pipelines or any of that sort where I am, but I am working with the data engineering team to govern those pipelines, you know, to build out data models. I, I do a fair bit of data modeling, not data architecture, but data modeling, like ensuring the quality and heavily, heavily working with stakeholders. So, I mean, I would say 90% of my job is working with stakeholders because for data governance, governance and accuracy or cleanliness of data, it really depends on the end user. So what could be good for, like, if I worked for ADP or some other company, what their end user terms as good quality data is different, is different, is different between departments and different between companies. So what a data governance analyst does is to make sure that it meets those requirements, build out the models for those requirements, and be able to ensure that the data quality and the query speed and whatnot that have, that that's important for those is 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 working, and also building out data as well. Yeah. Okay. I think I think that makes sense. That makes a little more sense now. Um, what? How would you explain what data governance is to someone who's maybe never heard that term before? Right. Data governance is basically assuming is making sure that model that. Um, how would I put this? It's basically ensuring that the, the end user has the quality has the quality of data that they need, the right amount of data that they need, and also organized in the way that they need. And they can look at the metadata or the overall picture and see how each piece of data is connected. It's it's one thing if you're just building out mo data models or that stuff, but you have to see how one model is connected to, to another. So business objects see how they're they connected to each other and make sure that the data that they're doing is the correct business logic that's being used in there. Yeah, I think I think that's a great explanation. Um, it's actually kind of a new term to me because I've always kind of been uh, a data scientist. And if you if you think about like the life cycle of of a data, um, you know, data scientist is pretty far down where the data's already been thought of. You know, the idea's kind of been thought of. The you know the data's been collected, the data's been maybe even cleaned, and then it finally gets to the data scientist. So I'm still learning about data governance, but I think you explained it really well. It's making sure. We have, you know, the right amount of data, the right data. Everyone can understand what that data means, like what's the definition of it. Everyone can like look at it. Everyone can access it. It's in a format that works well for people. Um, it's kind of like the first steps of all of all data projects, right? Does that sound right? That's correct. It's the it's infrastructure. So if the infrastructure is being built by the data engineers, we're the ones who assist the data engineers. We sit between the data engineers, the analytics, and the stakeholders to make sure that the stakeholders are getting what they want. So we're translating out project requirements for the stakeholders. We're QAing the pipelines with them. And we're also working extensively on the documentation because the stakeholder, we're the ones who create the, the documentation so the stakeholders can understand, is this model delivering us the value that it's supposed to be delivering or do we need to go back and work with the engineering teams to make sure that it is? Yeah, that 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 makes sense. Um, that's that's a big role. Um, we're yeah, a translator. Yeah. You're basically like the connection between the technology and the business, you know, like, mm -hmm. and, and that's important because the business people are the people that have all the money that funds, you know, all these projects. And so your job is really important because you need to accurately talk to the business people and say, hey, this is what the tech people need. Um, yep. And you also need to tell, you know, the tech people, hey, the, or the other way around too, you know, you need to also say, Hey, tech people, this is what the business wants. This is why they're doing it. You're kind of mm -hmm. like the middle link between the two. 
Okay. That's, that's correct. That that's really cool. Um, that that's great. I think that's a really interesting role. And I think it, it helps you see all sides of the, the ba- the data, you know, the data life cycle at, at, at this company. Um, uh, we got a question here from, from Derek. Um, and he says, can you recommend any personal projects that could help you stand out if you wanted to get into data work with a home security company? Um, so what, what type of, I mean, we're, we'll probably talk about projects more a little bit later on, um, but specifically for a, you know, home security or security in general, what type of projects would you recommend? Um, it really depends on what role you're trying to go in for. If you're trying to be a data analyst, I think just as long as you got some experience and you can, as long as you're not breaking things, you should be fine. Tableau is actually really big for us and same with Alteryx. Um, usually Alteryx, Tableau, of course, you know, reporting, but Alteryx really important for like simplifying pipelines. I mean, sometimes you don't want to build out the pipelines because they're hard and difficult to maintain. So Alteryx is a quick solution of doing that. So Alteryx, I strongly recommend that. If you're a student, Take advantage of it. You got a year to do that. If you have mm. that, I swear I'm not plugging for Alteryx. <laughs> I wish they'd pay me. But, it would be okay if they did. Uh, how much is it? If because because do you use it for for your freelancing contract work or no? Uh, for my I, no, I can't use my Alteryx. Like I'm still in school, but I can't use my Alteryx for that. But mm, okay. I have used I've used Alteryx for with different clients. But Alteryx will literally save your life if you're trying to build out really very simple like pipelines or machine learning pipelines it's it's amazing it's it's pretty much it's steroids literally okay uh let's 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 stay on this alteryx train for a little bit because at exxon there were some people using it a little bit um and as a data scientist let's just pretend i'm a data scientist i i understand why for those who haven't heard of alteryx um i'm actually a a shareholder i own some alteryx stock because i think i think it is useful. Um, what it does is it basically allows you to like drag and drop with like modules and like icons to do, I wouldn't even call it data analysis per se, maybe some, some fringe data analytics, but mostly it's for like data cleansing, data organizing, you know, getting your data from multiple sources into one data set together. Is that correct? Is that what Alteryx kind of does? That is correct. Um, most most of the time, yeah, that's what 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 you do. It is. It's just it's a way of doing all the joins and all that other stuff without you know having to go through it. And it's really useful for the stakeholders end for let's say marketing because market let's say engineering is tied up. Marketing can just go and build out the flow and then use it temporarily. And then engineering can say, oh, if we want to build a more lasting pipeline, then let's go look at it. Um, Alteryx has really gone farther in the last. I mean, wow, six year year two years because they started adding like ml stuff into there so you can do k-means you can do clustering whatnot on there too i haven't tried that but i experimented with it yeah interesting i didn't know they had that that feature um yeah that that is interesting because then they're kind of getting i mean that's k-means and stuff is kind of basic ml but um but then they're also kind of competing with something like you know data robot and these other no-code machine learning platforms Mm -hmm. um Okay. So that's really good, especially if you don't have necessarily the coding skills that kind of gives you a little bit of a crutch where you don't necessarily need to code, but you can do the things that, you know, data analysts and data scientists do. Um, okay. That's, in- that, that is interesting. Um, okay. So going back to, to Derek's question here, um, Tableau is really big for you guys doing a project mm-hmm. in Tableau would be interesting. Have a portfolio. Um, have, have a portfolio. A portfolio. I, I will not. No, I'm going to emphasize that. Have a portfolio site for that. 
it helped me. It helped you. Did that also, because we also had a question here. Um, and I also see uh, uh, Tymir, I see your question here, but we're going to take a question here from Sanskriti. Um, she's asking about how to break into freelancing um, with, with, you know, as a data professional. Is, did your portfolio also help you get into data freelancing? It did quite help quite a bit. Like some of the stuff on my GitHub, I mean, that's <laughs> kind of embarrassing, but still it, it helped. At least they can say, hey, well, at least you can do it. We're not, we know that you're not some person off the street just saying, hey, I can do it. But so that the portfolio helped. Um, as far as getting into freelancing, I mean, there's no 100% easy way. I mean, some of the ways I've done it is, is like I've worked with Catch a Fire or some of these other volunteer places. I volunteered for some places to get some experience. And sometimes if you work with enough of them, I mean, you they'll refer you to someone else and say, hey, you know, I know so-and-so. They can, this person knows how to do this. I mean, even if it's Excel. Um, as far as like making the money from that, I wouldn't be the best person to do that because I I'm not, I did turn a profit on that one, but, um, best way to do is just go on Fiverr or Upwork and then just take it from there. It, the learning how to bid properly and pricing yourself, it's the hardest part. That is the hardest one because sometimes you'll underprice yourself and then some people won't go after you. And then sometimes you'll overprice yourself and then someone doesn't go after you. So that's an art. And I mean, putting out the description and making sure it's succinct and you're marketing yourself, that's an art. And something I'm still trying to figure out myself. So yeah, yeah, it's it's definitely hard. Um, you definitely when you become a freelancer, you you have to manage more than just the technical things that you may have done previously, right? Because all of a sudden now you're a business owner. So you have mm -hmm. to figure out how to get paid, how to pay taxes, you know, uh, how to market yourself, how to get clients, you know. Uh, it's it's a lot of work. It's a lot more than just the technical side. Um, and it, and it can be difficult to, to get started. Um, I do like what you said, you know, some, maybe you volunteer for free for some place and get experience. Um, mm -hmm. you know, I'm, I run my own data analytics firm, right? So I have employees that do projects, you know, for clients for me and stuff like that. And right now I'm, I'm working for free. <laughs> I, I work, I'm doing a, it is halfway for school. Uh, but I, I'm doing a project with the Utah jazz because I want to get experience in sports analytics, you know? So sometimes you do have to work for free to get that experience and, and, uh, start somewhere. Right. Um, I also, like you said, you know, maybe Fiverr or Upwork, I've had way more success on Upwork. I think Upwork, especially for people inside the United States is a better platform. Um, and you know, you can create a profile there and, and start small, um, going back to what we talked about originally about taking on projects sometimes where you don't necessarily know what you're doing. Uh, I took a project once to build a website basically in D3 JavaScript. And like, I had no idea how to do it. And I just, I just, I put a really low price and I just, instead of paying to learn, I got paid to learn. Um, it wasn't, it wasn't the greatest project and it wasn't the greatest outcome, but it was really cheap for them. And I learned a lot. So uh, I, I got that project on Upwork. So Upwork's pretty cool. I'm also, I'm also a, a shareholder of Upwork. So I'm a, I'm a big fan. I believe in their, uh, in their platform. Um, okay. Here's another question we had here from Tymir. Um, you're, you're, you know, you're studying data science, not, not necessarily data scientists yet, but a data analyst and you've done a lot of contract work. Any tips for self-taught data scientists in terms of getting a job when entry requirements are so Oh, I guess any advice basically on, on getting that first data science job? Well, just 
you need to put in, I'm going to say it over and over again, you have to have a portfolio. I mean, I have a nice website, portfolio website. I mean, you might shell out $120 on Wix or even, or if you want to do cheaper method, do it on GitHub, but have a nice portfolio website showcasing your stuff Show if and tailor it to the job that you're going for. So, I mean, I did a general tailoring. I had um, Tableau, I had my Tableau portfolio, and then I had some, some of my projects that I worked on on my own for that. So make sure that you have that. The first step is you have to make sure that they can look at it and say, hey, this person's worth my investment and it's going to deliver value. Don't overstate it. Because if you overstate it, if you can, you still have to go through two people. First, you have to go through the HR. HR doesn't know always what, what the heck they're looking at. They like shiny things. I'm going to put it bluntly. They do like that. They want to see who they can refer to the hiring manager. The hiring manager has to go through your portfolio if they do that. So make sure that it's simple enough for them to understand. If you can put explanations in what you're doing, great. I mean, I, I've seen people put PowerPoints like with some of their portfolio in their GitHub so, so that the hiring manager or the HR person can look at that. And you still have to explain the business value because I mean, in the end, you're still making money for that company. You're still an investment in them. You're still, you're still have to deliver value for the projects you do. So it's, don't always focus on the tech, focus on like what the value of your project is. So that's what you should focus on. And if there's an industry you're targeting, do projects in that industry. It's yeah, that, that, that sells for them better. It does. Um, I always say, if you really want a particular job at a particular company, try to think of a problem that keeps them up at night and try to tackle that as a personal project, right? Um, and even if you don't even finish it, or even if you're not sure the analysis is done, just the act of thinking through that shows so much more initiative than just submitting your resume. Um, yeah, I totally agree with, with what you said. I think, I think that makes a lot of sense. Um, do you, do you have a, uh, project that you, a favorite project of yours that you've done that you could talk about? It could either be a personal project or something you did as, you know, contracting or school. Uh, two, actually. So first one was, is I did some NLP for some Chinese company when I, for some Chinese company that my wife uh, knows, my wife knows. So we were basically going through um, comments on their, on one of the review sites and one of the review sites, and we were scraping, we were scraping the re reviews. So, and then using NLP to actually parse it out to see what it was. So that was a little difficult because my Chinese isn't as good as my Chinese isn't that good. I, oh, I it was in it. Chinese. Yeah, I couldn't read. I it fairly I can read it, but I'm not. I can't speak it. Some and then co more complex stuff is harder. So I had to help have her help. So in that regard, I mean, trying to build out the corpus was a little the corpus like the words that you should exclude wasn't hard, but trying to do the sentiment analysis that was hard. So yeah. we were ended. I ended up having to work with someone who understood this and it was a technical review website. So you had to know exactly what was going on. So that was working back and forth on that. Wow. Um, the set, the second one was when I was working with uh, Tula and that was interesting. So we took all the email data, we took all the sales data, and then we looked for patterns to see like what kind of stuff the customer buy, bought the associate, the association, uh, association rules, you know, market basket analysis. So once we found out customers were like, hey, they bought this product, product A and product B, let's start, we, we use that data to uh, build out like email lists so that we could send out to individuals who bought 
who bought the who bought one product but didn't buy the complementary product. So someone didn't buy uh, someone bought a top but they didn't buy a skirt. So we would use would see which customers didn't buy a skirt, and then we would create a list and then use that to market out. We market to those customers saying, "Hey, buy a skirt, buy a skirt." So that was that was a pretty good project that I I worked with at one time. Wow, yeah, that's that's really interesting. I liked I liked both those projects. Um, okay, now is there a technical skill or a software that you like the most? Oh, uh, I am starting to like Azure, and I'm starting to like Go a lot. Um, Go, I'm not, I'm no expert. I wish I was a software developer on that, but it's I really liked it. Um, some of the stuff like with Go that I didn't have with Python, like Python assumes stuff, but Go, it's a lot. You have to spell things out, and I'm I'm kind of that kind of guy because of my documentation stuff. So I, I like the fact that you can have to spell everything out, like where the date, like where the data is. Um, you have to define all the 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 data paths, that sort of thing. I, I'm still learning. But as far as Azure goes, I love Azure. I mean, some people are confused about like the 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 user interface, and I agree, it is. But it's so powerful. I mean, using Data Factory, using Databricks, using ML the ML studio. I mean, it's changed my life. I mean, it really speeds up building out pipelines where, you know, it's easily maintainable. It's not, it, you don't have to go through like tons of line of code and go through code endless code reviews for it. And it's easy to, to govern it too, because the governance like is connected all within the same package. That's yeah, that's, that's really interesting. Um, I mean, Azure, for those who don't know, it's Microsoft's like basically data studio basically like you can do a lot of different things with with azure it's their their cloud solution i guess um including all those things you know that matt mentioned um it does it does give access to machine learning via you know drag and drop clicking which which does take the coding out of out of the data science which is which is really useful and nice for people who don't necessarily have that coding background it could be a great place for them you know to uh to start um and what are you using Go for? I mean, that's not something you typically hear associated with, you know, data professionals. So is it mostly for, I guess, what is it, what is it for? I just wanted to statically type language. I found Python is just likes to assume a lot of things. So I'm like, hey, might as well learn something. I mean, I took C before when I was like in community college. So I wanted a balance. I don't know where it's going to go. I'm just mostly doing it for fun at this point. Okay. Okay, cool. <laughs> I, I like I like learning for fun. I think that's always a, a good thing to do. Um, okay, so let's let's tackle uh, this question. Um, what what advice would you give to people who want to get started as a data professional? Is there is there something that you would uh, you would tell them or like I know you're kind of on your path to you know fully becoming a data scientist professional full time, right? But I guess what what advice would you give to people who are getting started as data professionals? Well, first off, I mean, you already have some of the skills. I mean, when I was trying to sell myself into data analyst positions and then my current position as a data governance analyst, I tailored my resume. I said, okay, what did I read through the thing and said, hey, look, what do I have already that I have there? So I said, okay, I already did some stuff with Python. I already did some stuff with Excel. I already did some data analysis, like doing some statistics when I was in school. So people do have the stuff that's already there. They're not, what, what, what my advice is, is to look through what you, really take a hard look at what you've done so far 
look through it, look through the position or the goal or the company or, or the role you're targeting and say, okay, what do I have already that I can use for the next position? Because almost guaranteed you have something. I mean, it might not be much, but companies do take uh, a chance on people who don't have 100% like of the job description. So if you're even 60, 50, 60% of the job description, just apply. I mean, the, 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 can't, the, the description that they're putting on there is the ideal candidate. And usually that ideal candidate isn't going to go for that position from what I found. Even one of the HR people told me this. Yeah, a hundred percent. I love that. It's like, use the skills that you, or at least like believe in the skills that you do have, um, put them on your resume. Even if you've just touched them once and you can figure it out, if like, let's say like it says, oh, you need to know Tableau. And let's say you've opened Tableau and maybe you've made two dashboards or something, nothing crazy. You know, put Tableau on your resume. And when, if you get to the next round, they're like, Hey, tell me about the details of Tableau. Well, you should, in the, in the week in between, you know, before your interview, you should just learn everything you can about Tableau. There's no, there's no need to be an expert at everything in order for it to be on your resume. Um, you know, if you if you used it once, put it on your resume and, and if you're a good thinker, you know, you can learn it and figure it out later. Um, so I agree with that. And yeah, I also think like years experience, and like, yeah, having everything on a job description, you're totally right. The job descriptions are really the ideal candidate and you don't need to be the ideal candidate. You just have to be the right candidate, right? Um, mm-hmm. and, and also sometimes they're the ideal candidate and like the, the salary don't match up. So it's like, they're never gonna get someone with all those skills for the salary they're offering. So maybe they'll take you, you never know. You never know until you try. Exactly, um, exactly. Okay, sweet. Um, last question here for you. Um, you post on LinkedIn fairly often. Why, why, why do you post on LinkedIn? And I guess, when did you start posting on LinkedIn? Honestly, I started posting. Um, yeah, I'm sorry. Just keep going. <laughs> yeah. I started posting on LinkedIn because I mean, I just wanted to like, I keep seeing people like who are the same as me worrying about, Oh, can I get this job? Oh, this seems hard. Why are they asking for a PhD for like a data analyst? So I just wanted to get posting because I'm like, hey, you know, I've gone through some of this. I've been in the same place as you have. And the reality is it's just it's not as hard as it looks. And I just wanted to give some clarification. Also, I just spend a lot of time thinking about some of this stuff on my spare time. And I thought, hey, you know, if I can like and that's why I even subscribe to you or other or other people on LinkedIn. It's, hey, you know, these guys are giving me a view of what's on the inside how would i give my view because the more views that people can have that can give them more perspective on what their path is where they want to go and maybe they'll start applying for a position and realize hey i'm actually qualified for this position i don't need to overthink it so little bits of information from from me from other people in the data science community that's that's powerful yeah i totally agree and that's very um altruistic of you to be, to be posting, to, to help other people along the way. Um, I guess what good have you seen from posting on LinkedIn? Like has, has, do you regret posting on LinkedIn? Do you wish you posted more? Do you, are you happy with where you're posting right now? I'm happy where I'm posting right now. I'm fairly busy with other stuff between like self-study and then work. So, I mean, I'm posting as much as I as I possibly could. Um, I would like to post more in the future though. Okay. Well, that's awesome. I, I love your posts. I'm a, I'm a big fan. 
Um, definitely, once again, if you're if you're watching right now or you're listening, definitely look up Matthew Blaza and uh, and add him on LinkedIn to get some of his tips on, you know, being a data professional, what it's like to be involved in data management and data governance, as well as doing freelance and contract uh, data analytics work. Um, Matt, that's all the questions I, I have for you. Is there anything else you'd, you'd like to say to the people of the Data Career Podcast? Yeah, I mean, don't give up. It's It might look really, really hard. And if you're not frustrated, that's if you're frustrated, that's normal. You should be frustrated. You should be wanting to quit half the time. It's the, the mentality is, is if you push through that and say, okay, can I step back? Can I, is this what I really want? And you still keep going forward. You're all the stronger for it when you go into an interview and when you go into, and when, when you work. I mean, it's, it's the mentality that you need to like push through this because it just gets more frustrating as when you're in the job than when you're searching for it. So. Yeah, I love tolerance. that. Don't, don't, don't give up. It, it might take a while, but it's, uh, it's worth it. It's, it. You know, working in data is really fun and, and really rewarding. Um, so don't give up if it, if it gets too hard. I, lo- I love that, Matt. What a, what a great piece of advice to go out on. Um, love it. Uh, okay. Thank you everyone who watched live. Um, I know we had people like Derek and Tymir and Sana and other people. Thank you guys for joining live. Thank you, Matt, for being here. Appreciate it. Once again, connect with him on LinkedIn. Um, and yeah, thank you guys for an awesome session. We'll be, I'll be back later tonight. Um, if you're listening to the podcast, it's not tonight, but if you're live uh, for the Ask Avery show at 6 p.m. Mountain Time, which is 8 p.m. Eastern. And this, yep, yeah, that, that's about it. Thank you guys. Appreciate you all. Thank you, Matt, for joining. And we'll see you guys on the next episode of the Data Career Podcast. All right. Thank you. Bye-bye.